Last week we laid the groundwork for this series on worship. And we mentioned all uh, that worship is all about the relationship between us and God. We saw three concepts. Uh, they were submission, sacrifice, and service. And that, that, that we, we talked about the nature of the relationship, the forming of the relationship, and the maintaining of the relationship with God. So, so these are the, the foundational concepts that, that we are going to be looking at uh, as we go through the rest of this. We are, however, going to, at this point, introduce our text for the remainder. Uh, and this will serve as our outline. Uh, and those three ideas will be underneath, uh, holding up this, this outline here. It says, when the Pharisees, and this is Matthew 22, 34 through 40, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. He said, Teacher, what's the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And one of you who opened your book instead of pressing this up here, or, or, or some of you in Finland, wait a minute, I know that's a little trivia question or whatever, or, or might it make you memorize Matthew, uh, Matthew's version when you were a kid, and so you recognize that something, something is skew in, in my text here, and that is that in Matthew's account, it does not say you shall love the Lord your God with all your strength. That's actually taken from Luke's account here. Uh, I've kind of married these Matthew and Luke together. There's a reason for it. I like the overall structure of Matthew better. It incorporates a little bit more of what I wanted to bring out as far as uh, on these two commandments, kind of all along the process. That's actually not, that part's not mentioned in Luke. So I wanted to structure this. But both, uh, both of these savory, uh, just so, and just so you know, uh, Luke's account is a better quotation of Deuteronomy, which includes all four of these elements, because in the next four terms, we're going to talk about loving the Lord with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Uh, so, so instead of putting both texts up there, we uh, put those together. So, um, love is the basic element of any successful uh, close relationship, right? That, that, and he kind of illustrates that. Yeah, for the greatest commandment, he said, here, let me give you two. And there's one element that's in both of these, and that is love. Love is important. Well, you got kids? You know, if you have kids, that controversies arise on a regular basis. By regular, I mean hourly. And, and, um, and so, well, some of the controversies are, are understandable. Like, this, he did this, me, and all this. Yeah, that, that's understandable. That would create a stir, and that, that, was kind of, that was kind of mean or whatever. But there's a lot of times where controversies come up, and, and this is a significant portion of them, and you go, why do we need to be fighting about this? I know, right now, that about an hour from now, I'm going to be dealing with a fight about who's sitting in what seat. I just know that. I'm like, do we need to be fighting about this? And this fight will continue for at least half the trip home, maybe all the way home. When we get out of the car, they'll still be fighting about who's that and what seat. Oh, there's things to fight about, okay, that, that I get, I understand that controversies that are legitimate and we can have those controversies, but there's some things that are, shouldn't be controversies. There are things in the Bible that are put there to be controversial. Jesus said some things that were intended to be controversial. Like when he said, for example, 
I don't come to bring peace but a sword. That was intended to, to stir up some controversy. But not everything in the Bible is controversial. We have, we, I referred to this last week. Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and model each other in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. With grace in your heart to God. That verse was never meant. Paul didn't go, you know what, this will stir up something. Yet we thought about this verse in Ephesians 5. We thought about these two verses. And then we've got, I just think he's up there going, really? This stuff to fight about that I, I, I understand we're fighting about those things, but, but why are we fighting about this? Worship, if there's something in the Christian faith that should not be thought about, it really should be worship. Worship should be the one thing that we can do without controversy. But no? What do you like about Thanksgiving? It's amazing what some people don't like about Thanksgiving. How can, how, uh, you ever meet somebody that doesn't like mashed potatoes? Or, or stuff? But there's people... They don't like the way you serve it, right? I don't like, there are people that, that just can't stand lumpy mashed potatoes. I think that's really the only way to eat them. I like them with the skins in them, nice lumpy mashed potatoes. There are people that they can't stand them unless they've been pureed, and they are like glue. They got it's like that sticky, and it's like it's just glue. What, why do people like the things they like? I don't know. It's just like, wouldn't it be nice if we knew what God liked? If God just said, here's what I like. Yeah, you say, well, well, maybe there. Are, I think there are verses. Well, sort of. There are sort of. But what I mean, what does God like? I'm talking about the forms of worship. There's no verse, for example, that says that God likes four, four times. You really can't stand six, eight times. You can get get rid of those six, eight times things here. Uh, four, four is really what I like. And there's no verses like that. It would be nice and convenient if we knew. Uh, hey, I, does God like lumpy mashed potatoes? I don't know. Worship begins in the heart. These emotions are given to us to connect us to God. Uh, when I was moving here, uh, and I mean, first back to the country, and we were, we were right before we came up to Waukesha to, to interview. Uh, I interviewed at a church about an hour east of Cincinnati. And in the interview process, one of the elders talked about, so he asked me, if you play guitar? I'm like, yeah, I play guitar. And he goes, because on, on Friday nights, we get together, and just some of the guys, and we have a little band. I'm like, oh, that's neat. And, uh, and uh, he says, uh, yeah, we just like to play our, our down-home country, country worship songs. So, hmm. And you will notice that I have a job here. <laughs> no, that had uh, almost... Almost nothing to do with the decision. I won't say it didn't have anything to do with the decision, but it, it was maybe like 3%, 5%, somewhere in there. Uh, but this, what if God really likes country music and we don't know it? What if, what if God really likes Gregorian chants and we don't know it? Right? There's no verses that tell us what forms of music he really is into. Well, I say that God that there's no verses that, that tell us that. There, there are some things. For example, uh, here's some verses, all from the book of Psalms, that have the same thing. They all say, make a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise. Well, joyful noise is kind of an interesting phrase. Well, what might jump out to you is the word noise. The word noise is a word, and it, and it kind of comes, really, well, maybe it didn't really mean noise like we think of noise, you know, 
Cut down that noise. Does that mean that? Or does it mean more like a sound? Now, the word noise actually referred to the sound that a jar would make when it broke. And he said, let your singing be like that. Right? Sound like just smashing. And, that doesn't sound pleasant to my ears. Well, <clears throat> because the audio quality is not important to God. But, so I think, for example, when, when you talk about a jar breaking and things like that, and just awful, I think Don McLean had it wrong. I do. I think Don McLean didn't know what he's talking about. To me, the day the music died, there was the day that someone decided that Guns N' Roses could be on the radio. Whoever made that decision, that was the day the music died, because I don't think his music has been music since. I don't, I, I don't think there's been a good song since on the radio. And uh, you know, sometimes since 1987, there has not been good music. Right. I, I, that's just, that to me, that's noise. God says, audio quality is not important to me. I want you to notice that joy is where the worship is. It's not in the form. <coughs> God doesn't care if we sound like a broken jar. That's awful. That's noise. God says, I don't care. Make the noise. I just want it to be joyful. I want, I want the joy to be in there. That's where the worship is. It's in the action of the heart that ties us to God. So, well, I guess we could say, though, from that, that God likes it loud, right? And at least we know. You say it five times, make a joyful noise. At least we know God likes it loud. Oh, well, that is, of course, unless he doesn't. For Samuel 1, 13 through 16, Hannah was speaking in her heart, and only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. So therefore, Eli... Mistake, mistake, mistook her for a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put away your wine. Hannah said, No, my lord, I'm a woman who is troubled in spirit. I haven't drunk either wine or strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard, regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. So I guess God likes it quiet. I don't know. What is God like? Well, here's the key word. Hannah was speaking in her heart. You know, Hannah's heart was talking to God. She couldn't worship from joy. So she worshipped from grief. And it's kind of important. It is not the sound. The loudness of it, the quietness of it. It is the joy, it is the grief, whatever the, the worship is, whatever the heart is, wherever that place is, that's where God wants us to worship. What emotion is it tie, is tying you to God? If you can't be connected to God in your joy, then be connected to Him in your grief. But be connected and pour out your emotions to Him. Speak from an emotion. Matthew chapter 15 verse 8 and 9 says, This people draws near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And they worship me pointlessly, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Understand that a misplaced heart invalidates your worship. You can do the forms or whatever, you can sing the songs and the words and everything, but you can be near with your lips and far in your hearts. 
and the heart unconnected to God will invalidate any form of worship. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. <clears throat> Understand that God prizes the heart over the gift. God doesn't need your money. Say, sweet. But God wants your heart. God wants your heart more than anything else. Romans 8, 26 and 47. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. It is not in the forms that God hears you. You don't always know how to pray as you are. You're not going to be sitting there pouring out your heart to God. You've got to stop. You didn't say, Our Father who art in heaven. Back up, try again. I didn't hear you. You're praying and pouring out your heart to God and all of a sudden, stop. I didn't hear it. You didn't say, In Jesus' name, amen. Sorry. Forms are not the important part to God. You don't always know how to pray as you are. The form is not the important part. Please get that. It is the heart connected to God. Prayer is not something we boil down to a formula. So the second part of our sermon today. We asked, what does God like? And we very briefly want to go through this. The other thing we've talked about in this, this text is that all... We talked about it last week. We noticed how ser- services is exclusive. We noticed how the, the sacrifice was completely burnt. It was a total sacrifice. We noticed how submission was, was total, all the way bowing as a servant before his master. All. I want to look at Psalms 29, and I want to go through Psalms 29. We'll start in verse 2. He says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. What He deserves. Well, glory means honor. So he says, Give God the honor that He deserves. And I want to look at, we're going to start here, and we're going to go through this whole text, not, not in details, but just kind of, a generalization of, of Psalms 29. Don't worry, it's not, a, it's not a long one. But we start right here, and we notice that he says, come in the beauty of holiness, or the splendor of holiness. Holiness is due him. It's honor for his... I mean, if we are supposed to come in holiness, that means that he has a moral superiority that requires us to come that way honor his moral superiority. Well, let's, let's continue here. Let's go verse 3 to 10 and look at some of the things that are in here. And some of these are like, what? I don't know. I don't get that. But, but we'll try to get through this here. The voice of the Lord, verse 3 to 10, the voice of the Lord is over the waters and the God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful and the voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars and the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a cat. I'm not quite sure what that means. 
In Syrian, like a young wild ox, the voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. Say that three times fast. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh, and the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everyone cries, Glory! And the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as a king forever. And so, so here's just some of the things, really briefly. Without going through these, you see why we don't want to go through these all in detail here. But we see here, kind of generally speaking, some of the things that we give honor to God for, his power over nature, that's obvious here. His source of strength, and the fact that he is the source of strength, we give honor to him for that. We see his authority over life. At his words, the deer gives birth, right? And we see that he sits enthroned over the flood. We see that God is the only one in control in chaos. Well, what does all, we talk about all, what does it require of my heart? What does all require of my heart? And what does this kind of have to do with the rest of the sermon? I don't get what this connection is. I'm trying to make a connection that's not there. So I want to talk about what all requires in my heart. So we need to read verse 11 of this verse. It says, May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. As we said, you might be coming in joy, you might be coming in grief, you might come from all sorts of different emotions. But do you feel secure or, or vulnerable? Which one of those two reflects the way you feel? Because if I feel vulnerable, if I, I feel like I'm in danger, if I, if I don't have peace, the Lord blesses His people with peace. If I don't feel peace, then I'm making a statement about something in this list I'm making a statement that maybe God isn't morally superior. Maybe he's making mistakes. Or maybe he doesn't have power over nature. Maybe he's not really the source, inevitably, he's not the source of strength for me. Maybe he doesn't have authority over life. Somebody else is controlling things. And maybe he's not in control of my chaos. Maybe maybe my chaos is too big for God. If I don't have peace, I'm saying something emotionally about what I think of God. So as we're going to close here, are my emotions in phase with my worship? The songs that I sing, the prayers I pray, Whatever the thing I do that, that, I, is that, that worship that, that surrounds the centerpiece of God, all those little the forms, are they reflecting accurately my heart? God says, I want you to be honest. God doesn't mind if you feel disturbed. God doesn't mind if you feel grieved. God doesn't mind... If if, if you express that to him, he wants you honestly. He wants, he wants your worship. Express yourself honestly to God. But do you feel up and down? Good. You're every person in this room. We all feel up and down. 
No one is a, is a person who is evenly keeled all the time. But God wants your heart before he has anything else. Before he has all the forms just right, God wants your heart. And he wants all of your heart. 